Introducing True Crime PI, an investigative bi-weekly podcast that explores missing and unidentified cold cases from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. This episode of True Crime PI is a continuation of Episode 1. Name is case UP10724, Cobb County, Georgia, May 10th, 1984. If you haven't listened to Episode 1, please do. I promise Episode 2 will be worth the wait. My name is Dana Pohl. I am a writer and a librarian with a passion for investigating the missing and unidentified. Our life stories begin at birth and end with death, but the stories of the missing and unidentified are disrupted by a mysterious occurrence that obscures the who, what, when, and why. Without the answers to these questions, the missing and unidentified remain in limbo, waiting for someone to write the ending of their stories. My hope is that collectively, we can be that someone. Welcome to True Crime P.I., Episode 2, Meet the Detective, featuring retired Cobb County homicide and cold case detective John Dawes. The goal of this podcast is not to report what has already been reported, but to find and share information that has not been previously shared with the public. In order to identify our doe, catch her killer, and write the ending of her story, we need details. We need to fill in the gaps with answers to the questions posed in Episode 1. In seeking these answers, I have learned that many times our perceptions are far from the actual truth, and other times they are closer than we could ever imagine. After speaking with those involved in this case, I have discovered two very important truths. One, in 1984, investigators did their best with what they had to identify our doe. And two, she has never, ever been forgotten. Solving a homicide or a cold case is directly related to the collection, storage, and testing of evidence. The quality of the detective work and the dedication of those who strongly believe that every case is solvable. Today you will meet retired Cobb County homicide and cold case detective John Dawes. Detective Dawes has spent countless hours investigating this case. He has tracked down evidence and sent it for testing, researched potential suspects, submitted crime scene photographs to investigators working with known serial killers, and so much more. Driven by the belief that every family deserves answers, he has solved some of the most challenging cases. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Detective John Dawes. My name is John Dawes, and I began my law enforcement career in 1985 in Cobb County. Walking in the door, I knew that I wanted to be on the investigative side of law enforcement. That's had always been my passion since I was just a little kid. So in 1985, I accomplished it. I, I became a patrol officer. I worked on the south end of the county. Uh, in uniform patrol for a couple of years, and then they assigned me to the motorcycle patrol unit. Um, I was on motorcycles for about eight months when, uh, in December of 1988, I was struck head-on by a oncoming vehicle. Um, it took me a year to get back to work 
because of the extent of the injuries. Uh, it was life-changing in many uh, regards, but I look at it as a very positive thing that happened for me, uh, that I survived, uh, because it actually put my foot in the door of the investigative side of the Cobb County Police Department. I spent about three years uh, initially investigating crimes against property uh, to include theft and burglary, residential and commercial burglary. And while I was in that section of the Detective Bureau, I took the opportunity to let it be known where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do. My goal was homicide. That's where I wanted to be. So uh, any opportunity for training that I could get to start learning about investigating crimes where a person is the victim, uh, such as rape, armed robbery, and murder, that's where I was focused. Uh, So I did a lot of training. I did a lot of work trying to get in there. I got exposed to assisting the homicide unit on some big cases. Uh, And then I got my nod, I got my okay and transfer into homicide, and I was at home. I I was absolutely thrilled to be where I was at. For me, there there was nothing more important in law enforcement than to investigate the most heinous crime. So I was where I wanted to be. I, I did a lot of training while I was there. I was very fortunate to spend a lot of time around some older, very tenured, highly skilled investigators, and and I learned. I spent time on my off days in court watching these guys testify. I I went to crime scenes and tried to build my experience and knowledge through them, and it worked very, very well. In 1998, I was just at a point in my life where I needed a little bit of a change, and I was being pulled, I felt like, in another direction, but still in death investigation. So I applied for an opening with the Cobb County Medical Examiner's Office, still staying in Cobb County government, still kind of on a parallel enforcement level. But uh, I, I interviewed for the job and, and uh, they offered it to me. So I went to the Medical Examiner's Office as a forensic investigator from 1998 until 2003. That opportunity gave me a chance to really accelerate my experience when it came to all kinds of death motor vehicle crashes, accidental death, um, sudden infant death syndrome, homicide. Uh, I, I got to see the forensic side, and it provided me an opportunity to not only attend those scenes, but to bring the body back to the forensic science center, participate in the autopsy, see everything about injuries inside and out, study anatomy and figure out how the body works. Uh, And it also gave me an opportunity to attend some really, really advanced uh, training, um, such as post-mortem interval, the time that has lapsed between death and being found. Um, It gave me an opportunity to develop myself as an expert in bloodstain pattern interpretation, uh, which is just one of the most amazing things about crime scene that, that can be imagined. To be able to understand blood and how it works and what happens with different levels of force and speed really, really assists the investigation from the very start, right at the crime scene. So that was a tremendous experience. In 2003, though, I started to begin to feel the calling again to get back involved in the chase. 
the chase for the bad guy. So I transferred back to the police department. And after a few months of reacclimating out on the road in uniform, they put me back into homicide. And I spent my last 10 years with the county investigating uh, the crime that I wanted to investigate, providing answers to families uh, that were so desperately in need of knowing what happened. Detective Dawes built a pretty amazing career and a positive reputation for himself. From patrol officer to motorcycle cop to forensic investigator and homicide detective, he relentlessly pursued his desire to learn as much as he could about homicide investigations. His goal was to provide answers to families who were forced to carry the unbearable burden of not knowing. In 2003, The chase, as he describes it, drew him back to the homicide department, and this is where he spent the final decade of his career. When it came time to retire, it made perfect sense that with his breadth of knowledge and experience, he would be tapped to lead the newly established Cobb County Cold Case Unit. I was going to be retiring on December 1st of 2013. In mid-November of 2013, Vic Reynolds called me. Uh, He was at that time the elected district attorney of Cobb County. Vic and I go way back. Vic prosecuted my first murder case that I was the lead on in 1991. So we're acquainted. We know one another. So he called me up though in November of 2013 and he said, are you really leaving? And I said, yeah, it's time. And he said, what are you going to do? I said, Vic, I don't know. Uh, All I know is what I've been doing. And he said, well, I've got an idea. So he told me about this idea that he had for a cold case unit. And he had already done a lot of work. There are nine police agencies inside Cobb County, city agencies and county agencies. And there were uh, over 150 unsolved murders already in 2013. There were hundreds and hundreds of unsolved sexual assault cases just sitting. And he wanted this unit to work out of his office and be an asset with cold case to all nine agencies in the county. And I thought that was an incredible idea for multiple reasons. And I told him, I said, Vic, if you can make this happen, um, I'm I'm your guy. I I want to lead this unit. So uh, it worked out. And I retired on December 1st of 2013. In February of 2014, uh, I reported to the district attorney's office and and I became the lead investigator of the cold case unit. In February of 2014, there were six uh, volunteers. There were their retired law enforcement with different backgrounds, and they had heard of this through Vic at a fraternal order of police meeting, and they just volunteered their time. So they would come up on Monday, look through some cases for a couple of hours, go to lunch, come back for a couple of hours, talk about old stuff, and then they would go home. And uh, the rest of the week, I was by myself working on these cases. We had 11 cases at the time, 11 homicide cases that were cold. We got the ball rolling very quickly. And uh, I picked up a case that I had brought with me from the Cobb County Police Department. Uh, It was as much in my head as in the file. I was assigned to the medical examiner's office when it happened in 2000. I went to the scene. I went to the hospital. I transported the deceased victim back 
I assisted with the autopsy. I communicated with his family. I knew the lead detective on the case on behalf of the police department. I knew much of what he had done. So I began working back into that case. I spent some time on it in 2011 and 12 and got it really, really rolling. So in 2014, I picked it back up and went at it. And with the assistance of the volunteers, with Vic's assistance, with a lot of things that were going on, we solved that case in October of 2014. And that changed a lot of things. A short eight months after Detective Dawes began leading the unit, he and his team of expert volunteers solved their first cold case. The team could not have been happier, and as Detective Dawes explains, it changed a lot of things. The unit was energized and had proven that cold cases can be solved with dedication and hard work. But as often happens in life, not all of the changes were positive. Detective Dawes soon realized that not everyone fully supported the work the unit was doing. Solving a case that had been cold for many years created tension between the unit and the department they were trying to help. One of the things that changed is the volunteers couldn't just come in one day a week. They came in two days a week. Um, They were a lot more into it. They were a lot more excited. They saw what's possible, and it really energized the unit and We proved that just because a case is sitting cold and somebody thinks it can't be solved, it can be done if you're willing to work. It kind of had a bad effect um, with my home agency. I found out in that process that there are hindrances to working cold case. If you're working an independent unit, even though you're in that same jurisdiction, that you're just not going to get direct cooperation out of some people um, because they don't want you to make them look bad. They don't get that we're all supposed to work together. So I was able to see that quickly. I was able to kind of navigate my way through that. You don't always have utmost cooperation when you're working independently, even if it was your home agency. This lack of cooperation between departments makes no sense to me. At the time, the sheer number of unsolved cases was staggering. Cobb County District Attorney Vic Reynolds handed the county police departments a unit that proved it could be effective, and yet those in charge let their egos get in the way. Fortunately, Detective Dawes is not afraid to face a challenge head-on, especially when it comes to solving a homicide. If there's one thing that I know I can do, it's solve a crime. At one time, uh, before I retired in November of 2019, I had 95 homicide cases all open at one time, all being worked, still had six volunteers. Some of them had changed out. I had different levels of expertise. We had been highly successful. We had solved 11 previously cold unsolved homicides. We recovered a body of a missing person. He'd been missing for three and a half years. Two things stand out from these successes. One is that the goal was accomplished in those cases. We were able to provide answers to victim families and help them kind of get an idea of what had happened. And secondly, the the Department of Justice did a study years ago, 2012 or so, that said 5% of all cases that have gone cold end up being solved. And of that 5%, 1% result in a successful disposition. 
Well, we shattered that because of the cases we solved, we had 100% successful disposition. These are truly amazing stats, but I have to admit, I wasn't quite sure what successful disposition really meant. So I asked Detective Dawes to clarify. To, to get a successful disposition on, a, on any case means that you've investigated it so thoroughly that uh, in a trial setting, you're able to present the evidence the jury convicts and suspect had become a defendant. And when you move them from defendant to found guilty, that's a successful disposition. 100% of the cases that the Cobb County Cold Case Unit solved ended with a conviction. The hard work of this unit gave the families the long-awaited answers they desperately needed. Detective Dawes clearly understands the responsibility investigators have to provide answers to victims' families and the valuable role dedicated cold case detectives can play in fulfilling this responsibility. I'm extremely proud of where I've been, and and I, on the other hand, uh, feel completely blessed to have been where I was at. So it was was a career um, that I look back on and I'm really, really proud of. Uh, I've never touted myself as the best, but you'll never find somebody who worked harder. And that's what it takes to solve those cases. The willingness to believe that a case is solvable and to put in the work necessary to solve it is what led me to our Doe's case. In episode one, we learned that the skeletal remains of our Doe were found in 1984. This was one year before Detective Dawes began working for the Cobb County Police Department. But over the years, he has had the opportunity to become quite familiar with her case. In 1985, he was assigned to patrol the area of the county where our Doe's remains were found. In 2009, while working as a homicide detective, he reviewed her case files. And in 2016, as the lead detective of the cold case unit... He did a deep dive into her case. I asked Detective Dawes if he would be willing to discuss the questions that arose in Episode 1 regarding her clothes, DNA testing, George, and the medical devices. In doing so, he revealed details about this case that we have never heard before. These details will explain why, after 36 years, her case remains unsolved. While I was working in the uh, homicide unit with the Cobb County Police Department, I actually started looking into some cold cases, some unsolved homicides and cases like that in about 2009. I was kind of the old guy in the unit by that time, and I was uh, tenured. I was trained, um, and I asked the... um, heads of the unit if I could spend some time looking into those cases, and I was granted that opportunity. So uh, this case that we're talking about today of this unfortunately still unidentified female goes back to uh, May 10 of 1984. And one of the first things that I began to realize just seeing the date is that DNA was in its infancy. Um, One of the first things that I always want to look at is evidence because the evidence to a case is vital. Um, So uh, I was provided a copy of it 
in the cold case unit in uh, 2016 and began looking at it again. And, and it saddens me that someone can go unidentified for any period of time, but three decades uh, is just a sad, sad story. Um, that tells me that somebody out there has been waiting over 30 years to find out where she went, what happened. Uh, so we picked up the case in the cold case unit. The area of the county where this body was found uh, is in the southeastern portion of the county. It's very close to the Chattahoochee River. It's actually off of a rarely traveled two-lane road called Riverview Road that ran from what's now Veterans Memorial Parkway, it used to be Bankhead Highway, up to South Cobb Drive. On the eastern side of the road uh, is the Chattahoochee River and the county line. And there, in 1984, I started in 1985, so I'm familiar with the area. That was the, the area of the county I was assigned to patrol. I spent many, many nights driving South Cobb Drive, Bankhead Highway, Riverview Road. On the northern end of the road, there were a number of uh, large buildings uh, that were depots and uh, pickup sites for tractor trailers. So there was some tractor trailer traffic on the road. You might occasionally see a couple of people out at night parked alongside the road fishing in the Chattahoochee River. But otherwise, it's just a very, in that time frame, a very unpopulated, dark, wooded area. Being familiar with the, with the area gave me some intuitions about whether or not the murder occurred there or if it had occurred someplace else and simply became a drop site uh, to try to conceal the crime because we don't have her ID. We don't know exactly her age, but the chief medical examiner at the time uh, opined that she was between about 18 and 25. And there were a number of things about the scene itself, the way she was found, and the autopsy that led to a ruling of homicide, even though an exact cause of death couldn't be identified. Uh, and those things included how she was found, just lying there in a deserted area. Some decomposition has occurred, and although the exact time frame uh, for death is more difficult as days go on, the uh, chief medical examiner opined that she could have been there for three to five weeks. It's entirely possible that it could have been a longer time frame than that. The factors that cause decomposition to retard or accelerate are, are numerous, and all those things come into play in trying to figure that out. But this very quickly, when you look at the crime scene photographs, tells you that it's not just a murder of a young female. This was a sexually motivated homicide. After listening to episode one, some of you may have assumed that this was a sexually motivated homicide, but this information has never before been released to the public. 
Knowing without a doubt that she was raped and murdered and dumped makes it even harder for me to accept that her killer has never been found. Listen as Detective Dawes describes what the scene tells him about the suspect. The way she was found, her jeans are off. Her lower extremities were spread. Her upper body and head were mostly covered with several articles of clothing just thrown down on top of her. And between her legs was a blue T-shirt, later determined to have a Playboy logo on the front of it. And it was just crumpled up, wadded up, and, and stuck between her legs. Everything about this scene tells me that it's a sexually motivated homicide. And that tells me that we're not dealing with what I would call a typical murder case where there is some emotion involved uh, between the killer and the victim. Uh, this is a sadist. This is a person who can only be gratified by absolute control over his victim. It can be completely stranger on stranger, uh, and, and it's a totally different uh, suspect to try to uh, identify. Next time on True Crime P.I., Detective Dawes will shock you with his explanation of why this case remains unsolved. At one time, there was a tremendous volume of evidence. The clothing, hair, cigarettes, hand-rolled cigarettes. Um, there was a lot to work with. Unfortunately, it wasn't evidence that much could be done with in 1984. I know that that blue shirt would have male DNA. That blue Playboy t-shirt between her legs would have male DNA. I know that, but I can't find it. Did you catch that? He said he can't find it. In the next episode, Detective Dawes will answer my questions about the missing evidence, the investigation into George, the medical devices, and the serial killer whose M.O. is written all over this case. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter, like our True Crime P.I. Facebook page, and join our Facebook group to discuss and crowdsource the cases featured in each episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a minute to rate and review it. If you don't, we would love to hear your suggestions. Thank you for listening. True Crime P.I. is written and edited by Dana Pohl. Theme music, CD Streets, and Come Out and Play, written and performed by the very talented Darren Curtis at darrencurtismusic.com.